The Money Show. Shapeshifters. So what are things that don't usually mix? Oil and water. Oil and water don't you they, they can't mix. They separate. The moment you try and mix oil and water and you stop shaking them all about, uh, oil and water then separate and they can't. They just can't mix. Um, cheap whiskey with anything doesn't mix very well either. No, I know. Uh, very seldom do chartered accountants and journalists mix particularly well. They don't make comfortable bedfellows. I was listening to a podcast with the legendary foreign correspondent John Simpson yesterday, who after five decades of traveling to some of the world's scariest places, finally found his wings being clipped by bureaucrats. And there was a time where he would simply pack his bags and take his BBC credit card and off he would go to anywhere he wanted in the world where there might be a story. And he was completely allowed to do that. But subsequent to tighter cost controls and to more competition, I suppose, in the world of journalism, John Simpson now has to go to an editor who has a committee behind them, um, who then has to sign off and approve all the deals, by which time most of the troubles uh, finished anyway. And the best part of the story is, is all out of the way. And John Simpson's a little bit frustrated by this, understandably. But those are the tensions in media uh, that I think are becoming ever more present. Today's shapeshift is a chartered accountant. He became a London banker and then returned to South Africa and teamed up with one of this country's greatest innovators in media, a man called Branko Brikic, to launch Daily Maverick. They even have a weekend newspaper. That too defies the trend, of course, of huge pressure being brought to bear on paper-based publications. The newspaper comes out on a Saturday morning. Steady was also recently awarded one of the media industry's greatest accolades, the Nat Nakasa Award. Did you think that they'd made a mistake, Steady? I mean, here you are as a banker, as a chartered accountant, as somebody who is the antithesis of uh, journalism, and here you when journalism's greatest accolade did you sort of think hold on a second let me pinch myself let me see if this is accurate but i think the media industry is owes you a, a great debt of gratitude in some respects and we'll get to why in a moment but were you surprised yeah uh, bruce it was slightly surprising and the award usually goes to people on the front line journalists investigative journalists and on the odd occasion editors um you know our co-founder uh, branco won the award three years ago uh, for the work on the Gupta leaks. And so it, it was a little bit surprising that someone on the business side gets it. But I think it's a testament to the challenges of sustainability that the industry is going through that, um, you know, that the, the SANF as an organization recognized that, you know, it's not only courageous to go and do the stuff on the front lines, but also to stay down a payroll every month. Uh, and that is, I mean, that's a frightening thing. And there are quite a few, I think, what, 140 people at last count on the payroll at Daily Maverick. Not everybody's full-time, if anybody is. Um, but but certainly there is an obligation to pay uh, for the work that is done. And there's a huge volume of work that is published on Daily Maverick on a, a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the permanent staff is uh, close to 100 now, and uh, there's uh, a lot of people on part-time uh, part-time payments and salaries and freelancers, you know, being paid piecemeal. So it's, uh, you know, we used to count the payrolls and now we count the people on the payroll. Um, but yeah, just also to, just to clarify something as well, I'm a reformed accountant now, uh, Bruce. I'm a, I can no longer call myself a charter account. I'm, I'm fully in the reformed space now. How do you ever reform from that though? I mean, quite seriously, um, you, you either it's in your blood. Um, when you see a set of figures, your brain works differently to the rest of us. You look at them differently. I'm not too sure that you can ever get that out of your uh, out of your DNA. 
Yeah, look, it is true for someone to spend the amount of time that you do in spreadsheets looking at numbers and trying to make them work uh, or make them work for you or uh, whatever the case may be. It is a very strange uh, outcome to end up in in the media space, to end up in this this environment uh, working with such talented and creative and um, challenging people sometimes. Uh, But I I guess it was really the creative flair, the opportunity to create something to take on uh, problems. I think the problem-solving side of, of my personality came through. And, and I guess uh, also being able to work with someone like Franco, which was also quite liberating as well, you know, coming from, um, you know, from where I did in, in, in the finance industry to be, you know, opened up to the media. And when he introduced me to this world, he warned me and said, you know, when this gets into your blood, it can never get out and, and you know, you'll fall in love with it. And, you know, like with so many other things, he was right. Uh, would you agree, though, that accountants, chartered or reformed or any other way, accountants and journalists are incredibly curious bedfellows? Because there's got to be a tension, I think, especially in the 20th, 21st century of, you know, costs and the expense of producing content um, and, of course, trying to deliver great content, which often requires some fairly substantial resources. That tension's quite necessary. Yeah, it is. And it's a, it's a balancing act, you know, and I think the, the way you get around it is by focusing on the long term, uh, being clear about what the vision and the mission of the organization is. And I think a lot of organizations struggle with that. Um, you know, in, in the old days or, or before, I think organizations had a clear understanding that they wanted to be the best at something. And I think over time, what's happened is with, you know, um, capitalistic tendencies, you know, those visions and missions have, have morphed into being the most profitable producer of widgets rather than, you know, creating the best widget of its kind in the world. So I think that that's also changed. There's been a huge focus on on profits and quarterly profits. And we've seen how that influences editorial and, and decisions around how you design an organization, how you staff it and how you re- resource it. So I think where we've managed to, to do it well is to make sure that we, you know, we agreed on what the long-term what the big picture is, what success looks like for us, what success looks like for the country in terms of how we go about the work that we do. And, and we've never wavered from that. And, you know, it's never been about, uh, about the profits. It's been about, you know, what does long-term success look like for us and for the country? And, and once you answer that question for yourself, then the other stuff sort of falls into place. But it, it does mean uh, making sacrifices, making tough decisions, having, you know, the, the kind of... Um, diverse revenue streams and, and, and I guess, patient shareholders and, and, and funders to make it happen. How did you and Branko Brikic meet up? Because it is an unlikely combination as well. Here's Branko, who is an absolute perfectionist. He's a publisher with many, many years of experience. He likes the product to look just so. Um, and uh, when he published uh, the first Maverick magazines, of course, the paper was of a particular quality. The photographs were only the very best. If he could have got, uh, what is her name? Oh, I've forgotten her name. The world's most famous photographer to take the pictures. He would have. Um, uh, um, Leibovitz, Annie Leibovitz. Um, yes, there was just no sense of any sort of compromise on the quality of product. And of course, the magazine didn't work out, but out of that came Daily Maverick, which has got far bigger reach and far bigger impact. But how did you two hook up? Well, there's a rumor going around that we met at Difficult Surnames Anonymous. Um, That is not true. (laughs) Um, 
but uh, we were we were introduced from the original seed funder for the Daily Maverick project. That was Alan, not Craig Jr. Um, he had uh, given Branco the startup money to get the the mockups and the designs going for it. And uh, and Alan and I go back to university days, and we were working on another another project together, and that stalled. And you know, I turned to my mate and said, "Hey, what else you got going? What else have you invested in?" And he said, "Well, you know, I've given these editors and journalists some money to get this thing going." Uh, why don't you meet up for coffee? They could use someone with a bit of business experience. And uh, over a coffee and uh, at uh, Exclusive Books in uh, uh, Seattle in Hyde Park in Johannesburg, we met. He showed me the mock-ups. I just nodded, you know, not really knowing much about the media business. And, and you know, just said, this sounds less terrible than the other things on my plate. Let's see where this goes. Uh, and so then a relationship begins. How long ago was that? That was 12 years ago, almost uh, almost exactly <laughs> to the day. Okay. I mean, it, it's been an astonishing partnership, and it's not been easy going, I'm sure. I mean, you know, the content which is produced on Daily Maverick is, if it's not contentious, it doesn't belong on the on, on the pages of Daily Maverick. There isn't space for fluff and for um, for kumbaya. Um, it, it's, it's a place which has come under extreme duress over the years, particularly through the Zuma years. I mean, there must have been incredible pressure, and not only direct pressure on the journalists and the writers and the business of Daily Maverick, but also, I suppose, indirectly on some of the advertisers, people who ultimately pay the bills. Yeah, Bruce, I mean, the story is one of of uh, survival, one of challenge, one of daily overcoming obstacles and, and, and making it to the next payroll. Literally, you know, that was how, you know, get through this one and get ready for the next one and, and how we were going to make it work. Um, as a startup in the digital space with, you know, Google and Facebook on the one hand as competitors with big media, established media as competitors on the other hand, and then also government in the background in the Zuma years, um, those aren't exactly the three kinds of mountains you want to be climbing, you know, one after another on, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, the challenges were always around sustainability and being a small and um, vociferous and, and, as you say, sometimes controversial and cutting to the bone kind of publisher, um, we weren't exactly people's cup of tea, especially in the days when we were smaller. And we, we got that quite a lot sitting in front of uh, of advertisers who would say, we love the work that you do. We love what you're doing, but sorry, no can do. You can't, you can't, you won't have our support, uh, which was, you know, obviously quite deflating. And so we just carried on doing our thing and kind of focusing on, on the long term and, and not wavering from the mission and not wavering that uh, from the editorial vision that we had. And, uh, and, and so over time, as we've gotten bigger, as we were forced to diversify how we, you know, how we generated revenue as the industry went through this great disruption, we're sort of starting to piece that together now and, we, and we're starting to, to, you know, to see a bit of light. But uh, we continue to put ourselves under more pressure by investing in our newsroom. You know, we've grown two, three times in size in the last couple of years. And that's not because, you know, we like the pain. Um, that's, that's what's important for the country. Um, you know, we're putting the needs of the country in the, ahead of our own and, uh, you know, a bigger, better, stronger daily Maverick is not only good for us, it's also good for the country. Well, when it comes to the environment into which Daily Maverick grew, and that is during the Zuma era, of course, you couldn't have hoped for a better environment in which to be an uncompromising publisher of, of news and events. I mean, it it was manna from heaven. It needed to be uncovered. It needed to be unearthed. It needed to be reported on without fear or favor. But my goodness me, what a great place to build a brand of fearlessness in this environment. You couldn't have built it 
in the same way during the Mandela era, for example. And we're seeing a, a sort of similar phenomenon now in, in, in the States and in Europe where uh, the Trump effect has dissipated yeah. quite a lot for, for, for publishers who've lost 20, 30 percent of their 2019 and 2020 traffic. Um, no such uh, problems in South Africa. Um, we have the kind of political landscape that keeps on giving, fortunately or unfortunately. And, and I think uh, in the early days, there was there was really hard to figure out how we were going to make it sustainable but i think you know having stuck to our guns um of providing quality journalism with the highest standards and ethics and investigations that is now the kind of journalism that you know the readers will get behind and will support financially and uh you know so it's starting to become a, a viable model for us uh, i can't find the quote i was looking for it the other day and i'm going to get it wrong and hopefully not very wrong uh, but it was something about chris becker when the new york times was on its knees and chris becker was reputed to have said something along the lines of well i could buy uh, the new york times for practically nothing but the business model's gone it doesn't it's no longer valid and uh, actually i'm just not interested and the new york times is among the publications in the world which has seen this most astonishing return to glory and it has expanded its reach in ways that it could never have imagined possible in the days of the print publication in the same way as the financial times has done as well courtesy of this incredible innovation called the internet but for so long the internet was free content was free and it has been up to those publishers who have had the guts the stupidity the madness the insanity um the the vision uh, to create the differentiated content which stands out and which people are prepared to pay for, that has been the difference, I suppose, between life and death in terms of media business models. Yeah, you're quite right, uh, Bruce. The, the New York Times is the poster child for the industry in terms of what is achievable and what can be done in terms of turnaround and in terms of success. Um, I believe they're trading on a P multiple that's higher than Google and Facebook. Uh, at the moment, which is quite incredible to think from from you know not a long time ago when they were really worried about their future and worried about you know whether they were going to see out the the next decade or so. Um, so that is an incredible story, and you know as um, as news leaders have recognised uh, how to transform their businesses to into digital uh, you know digital operations, thinking about great investments in product and technology for every two journalists at the New York Times, there's one product and technologist working there. So you can see the kind of, you know, new organization that it's morphed into, same thing at, at the Financial Times. And so there, there are beacons of hope, um, but there's, you know, a couple of standout superstars at the global level. The challenges are still at the local level, even in the States, there are, there are massive pressures at the local level. And and the sector is responding with with non-profit support in, in that way. Um, but we couldn't just adopt the the paywall model of the New York Times or the Financial Times in South Africa. Um, you know, we're, we're a poor country. We have 35% unemployment, 70% youth unemployment. And so, you know, a paywall was just never an option for us, you know. And, and so we needed to find a way to keep the work that we do free for everyone, for even those who couldn't afford to pay. And so... The membership model was it was an avenue for us and we adopted that three years ago and so we we're able thanks to our, our members to be able to still continue to do the work that we do but also keep it free for for those who can afford to pay so um but we do rely on the support of our members to to keep that kind of work going 
What are your sources of revenue? I mean, there's advertising, there's obviously the memberships. Um, and I mean, I talked to one or two of your investors and they, you know, not necessarily holding their breath for uh, spectacular returns anytime soon. It's sort of seen as something of a, I suppose, a, a national service. Yeah, and you know, and, and when we go out and we do fundraise, we do it under the banner of being a social impact investment. Um, we can see the returns at a society level. Uh, if if state capture cost South Africa uh, South Africa four percent of GDP, which was one estimate that we've seen, you know, and we've done a, a big job in helping to fight that or to at least prevent the further erosion of that. Um, you know, th- those returns come at, at a different level, and you know, we do plan to be sustainable and, and profitable one day. Um, just in the short term, the country, that's not what the country needs from us in, in terms of success. So we'll continue to grow and continue to invest in the newsroom because that's not only important for us, but also for what the country needs. And so we, we rely on, on a diverse uh, set of revenue streams. And also there's some grant making uh, institutions, you know, like the Open Society Foundation that will fund investigative journalism projects and, and teams. And we're very grateful to to those and, and, and other grant-making institutions like that. Because independence is, is absolutely imperative. I mean, you come under siege regularly, particularly from the likes of the EFF who accuse you of all kinds of vested interests and all kinds of power plays and manipulation. Um, not once do they dare challenge the facts that are reported. It becomes a very personal game of, of, of trying to discredit the source rather than uh, proving that the facts are wrong. Uh, and how then do you maintain independence or at least that that view of independence that is so absolutely critical to your credibility the the best thing is through through building a culture of of independence in the newsroom i think you find out very quickly if you if you violate that in any way that the news spreads very quickly in this very small fraternity of uh, of of journalists and editors that we work in um so the first thing is to create that culture and we've we've always you know uh been you know, it's always been sacrosanct for us. Um, and the second thing is just consistency on a day in and day out basis, just adhering to the standards, to the, to the press code, to um, to making sure that, you know, we never waver from from this vision and this mission that we're on. And so, you know, we're still lucky that both co-founders are, are still here and we're able to instill those values in the organization. So as we've grown, We've been able to 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 pass it on and to and to instill that in every every new person that comes into our newsroom, and so it's um, it's about setting and uh, you know setting that tree and growing it you know straight and true from the beginning and 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 uh, doing everything you can to support that. What does the future look like? I mean, the, the future for Daily Maverick, and then we'll talk a little bit about you. Um. Bruce, as I said, you know the 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 best thing for for Daily Maverick aligns with with the best thing for the country, which is to be a bigger, better, stronger organisation, um, one that covers more areas, one that covers more types of journalism, more formats of journalism, um, one that is also uh, better product and technology in, in making our experience and our offering more relevant uh, to more people. And um, and so growing our share of voice, growing the number of people who visit us on a daily basis, the number of people who subscribe to our newsletters and the number of members that we have so that we can ensure uh, a sustainable operation that is available to any South African who wants to who wants to read us. And so 
Um, our, our future continues to be one of a growth mindset, um, creating new jobs in this industry, which has lost 50% of its permanently employed people in the last decade, and creating jobs for young people and, and building you know, the most talented newsroom and, and media organization that the country has ever seen. So um, you know, that's our plan, that's our ambition, and that's our vision, and we're going to keep doing that. And uh, the country is going through a very tough time at the moment, and you know, we, we consider our job to be critical to, to that of the country's democracy uh, and its prospects. So you know, we're going to keep taking on these challenges and, and these hurdles and the threats um, the virtual, the verbal, the physical, um, to continue to do this job because you know we believe it is it is important and uh, and that's our cause and that's our mission and and we're going to stick to it. What about you? What does the Nat Nakasa Award entail? Does it oblige you to go off to some far falutin university and think deeply about the future? <laughs> no, it's, it certainly doesn't. If anything, it kind of just, you know, it, it, it reminded us that this work of sustainability is not done for us and it's not done for the industry. Um, there's policy reform that needs to happen. There are things that we can do at a policy level that can make this job of media and this job of journalism easier um, and that we should be doing that. We should be pushing for uh, subsidies and incentives to encourage uh, people to support media, to encourage in more investors into the media sector, um, to make it easier for us to to start up new media organisations, uh, to create more diverse media organisations, and to and to protect uh, investigative journalists and whistleblowers through um, through a variety of of regulations and and policies. And so that's something that we're going to be working on um, ourselves and and working with the industry to try and get that right because. We've seen the impact that in good quality investigative journalism and independent journalism can have on a country. And so we need to do whatever we can to make the environment more hospitable because it is actually quite hostile right now to be uh, a media owner, to be a media proprietor, to try and make it happen. Unless, of course, you can access PRC funds at a drop of the hat because of <laughs> certain relationships. Uh, you, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, independent media is critical. The independent media, not necessarily yeah. so. Yeah, not not the not so independent media. <laughs> the real. Media. I mean, doesn't it drive you mad that the place can even exist in this environment and the toxicity that it brings to to the media environment? Uh, Bruce, uh, mental health is a big concern, and and, and so uh, I, I need to, on a daily basis, make sure that I'm looking after myself. But I think about yeah. think the, about growth, uh, think the, about I, opportunity, I, think yeah, about what you're doing. About, yeah, if I focus on the uh, on injustices and the challenges and the hurdles, then yeah, I'm I'm not going to make it through the through the day. So I try and focus on on I guess the opportunities and what we can achieve and the impact that we can make. But you're right, it is hell of a frustrating to see all this other stuff happening in and around the industry, what's happened to uh, institutions that have been hijacked and also the, the lack of support for the industry, um, you know, which is something that we have to rectify. Silly, thank you for chatting. Lovely to have you. Congratulations and a great accolade for an astonishing achievement. Uh, Branko Brikic was recognised uh, by the uh, national editors. Uh, national editors, what are they called? I'm
South African National Editors Forum. Thank you. I, I, I left off the SAP part of it. South African National Editors Forum. The Nat Nakasa Award. It is massively prestigious. Three years later, Stiri Charalambos from the Complex Surnames Club, uh, co-founder and chief executive at Daily Maverick, the business behind the Daily Maverick, of course, making sure that the doors can open each and every single day.